Hi there, this is Abel Mesaj for the Bundesliga Button special Match Day 6 edition podcast. Uh, so the idea here is that um, I you know, finally got a chance to watch uh, all nine of the matches on what was a tremendous match day in the Bundesliga. So I figured I would uh, make a couple of podcasts to break down some of the more interesting ones and you know get your uh, questions that uh, a lot of you wrote in answered. Um, so let's get right to it. I think the biggest game was probably uh, Leipzig against Schalke because, you know, um, Leipzig obviously leading the league and Schalke had that really interesting start and, you know, whether this would hold. And I thought, you know, obviously with Schalke winning, the, the most interesting question uh, was what kind of tactic formation they would use. And David Wagner, that really uh, surprised Nagelsmann with a really narrow kind of 4-4-2 diamond, uh, putting Rabbi Matondo, who played like 76 minutes in the Regional Liga and nothing in the Bundesliga, um, not as a right winger, but as like an out-and-out second striker behind Burgstaller. And Nagelsmann um, was really surprised. He, he tried to play his 4-2-2-2 with Diego Deme and Amadou Haidara getting the first start, um, but um, really it was quite ineffective, perhaps because... Weston McKenney and Suat Serdar, who were the uh, the two eights in the Schalke system, got a, did a really nice job of being able to like push out and um, press the uh, the leptic fullbacks, but also kind of get back enough to cover Forsberg and Zabitzer. So I think like the um, the the early part of it, you know, Schalke came out pressed Leipzig, and you know Leipzig's build up struggles have been somewhat well documented even you know there's obviously uh i think there's like a willingness to improve under nagelsmann they want to play out of the back i mean we had a chance to talk to peter gulacci uh, last week on our uh, tv show and you know the question i asked him is, is how are they improving and what are the difficulties and he says it's pretty much still a work in progress for him but you know having to having to get uh, he's averaging five or six more touches per game um attempted passes but um definitely seems like with the four in the back it's it's even harder for them to build up because previously they could just push like Konate in the three center backs um situation up and and kind of create a 3v2 um but it's not really happened here and in this game was notable that Schalke came out and just pressed them in and um you know right away they had chances for Buchsteller and then I think like Leipzig had two um the Two times they were able to get through was was fifteenth uh, minute when uh, Nubel made this really awesome double save on Forsberg and Zabitzer, and I think Zabitzer then ended up uh, hitting a crossbar from from far out. So, but but the second the second shot was basically the bigger one where where Zabitzer just uh, put in a rebound and Nubel had to come all the way across and somehow managed to expand his body and save it. And I think that was probably a turning point in the game because. You know, they, you, you sort of expected Leipzig to, to go up there and uh, and take that lead. And, uh, you know, having not lost at home for, for forever, it seemed like, they, um, they you know, Schalke seemed to have, like, taken, taken their best punch, uh, so to speak. And, you know, even if you look at sort of the XG stuff, it was, it was about, like, by that time they were at, like, 0 0.6, and then they barely got over didn't get over one expected goals until like the 82nd minute so Schalke was able to control the game 
Um, and then you know um, after they they kind of come out, came came out of that uh, early spell, they they obviously uh, they obviously obviously ended up getting that goal with the really uh, well practiced, well drilled in set piece, which I think you know Dortmund fans will will know not just because Salisane scored it, but also because. It seems to be this this in vogue now, where um, you actually could see like Mascare, who is on the near post, he's he's pointing at, before they take the the corner that that he he's gonna he's gonna move and he's gonna kind of kind of make a short run to the near post and then just flick it on to Zane, who's at the Zane is at the back post and you know he's a monster on set pieces. So they went ahead there and then kept. Uh, pressing them in and they ended up winning the ball high up the pitch and then Arit uh, drew a penalty and it seemed like you know after that uh, Schalke had everything in control but particularly I think two two players were really impressive Sané was obviously a monster in the back but um, and Arit is well known but Suat Serdar who uh, I praised in my uh, Stats Bomb article which which you guys should check out it, it came out on on Monday um so, so that would be that would be something um, that you should should look at, and particularly it's his ball progression. You can you can see that uh, he's he's basically like doubled all his deep progressions, his his final third passes, and and he's actually like trying these audacious like back heels to himself, spinning off of guys, and and being able to play through the press, and you know making Amadou Haidara, who um, is a, probably a much higher regarded prospect than Serdar, making him look not that great. So. Um, then you know they got, they got the goal from Rabi Matondo, which is which is obviously great for them, and and uh, it seemed like the game was sort of over after three zero, uh, and then uh, Nagelsmann made the substitutions, bringing in Lukman, who didn't look that great, but at least um, they they got more offense, and then they were actually able to generate uh, stuff against a pretty tired uh, Schalke side. I think Wagner came out in the press conference and said that they were kind of. Uh, Lactad junkies, which is which just means that they just got really tired and couldn't really seek it through, and um, that's when they ended up getting the Forsberg goal, and then and there's a couple, couple other uh, chances for for that. I think Zabitzer had another one late, so um, all in all, it was a fairly deserved win for for Schalke. I don't I don't think there was really any doubt about it, and Leipzig. Um, I don't want to say they took a step back, but they but they definitely um, kind of. There's some questions they need to answer if if they don't always have everybody and and I think that's that's sort of the upside of Leipzig is that there's still so many players who are missing. Campbell Adams, you know, they had uh, Conrad Leimer suspended for that really really unfair dumb red card he got uh, in in Bremen, um, and you know Werner looks to have kind of cooled off a little bit. Polzen doesn't seem to be a hundred percent necessarily. But you know, it could have just been a bad game, and 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 Schalke, I think, should get all the credit. And um, I, you know, I encourage you guys to to check out my uh, deep dive on them to uh, to to get it more into in depth into what they're doing. And I want to ask and, and answer the question that Jack Mangan, a good friend, asked about uh, outperforming their XG and whether that's sort of sustainable and is it enough to to maintain sort of a European spots and even if if it regresses and i think you know and i i, I sort of um hinted this at, in the article but yeah they're, they're they're actually pretty significantly over their their xg but um you know it's it's mostly like guys like arit who, who who's who's a, like 
got like four goals on something like one expected goal or under and and I mentioned that in the piece that it's like um they, they only have him and him and Burgstaller who are over one expected goals so um I think overall like the this their schedule is pretty favorable um Köln, Hoffenheim um Dortmund which you know is obviously a big game Augsburg and Düsseldorf and then Bremen and Union I mean you actually think that they're favorites in six or seven in those games, but then like the question is, can Schalke play as a favorite? I think I think that's sort of the one question they need to answer right now. Is 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 yeah, they're they're very good at sort of disturbing the game and 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 being able to play as an underdog. But can what what will they do if they have to play out of the back? Because that's one thing I've I've seen from a lot of them is they don't have a ton of ideas aside from Stambouli passing out of the back and. Um, I think their structure could use some improvement there, but um, you know they could be that surprise season. So to answer your surprise team this season, to answer Jack's question, I think it could be good enough because it's going to be really tight. Because because to me, um, it's it's mostly um, Bayern and Leipzig who are a tier above. I think Bayern possibly their own tier, and then Leipzig and and, and Dortmund. I think. Are, are in that sort of third place conversation even if it's not going all that great and you know who knows it could unravel with them and then and after that I think it's there's a huge huge race for for the fourth spot and I'm not really like all that enamored with Gladbach or Leverkusen or Wolfsburg I mean there, there's good things about them bad things but I'll, I'll mention those during the podcast and then you kind of expect that Freiburg will regress, although, you know, I don't want to bet against Christian Streich because um, I really like him and we'll talk about him more. But, yeah, so it could happen. But uh, I think certainly for the six and seven spots, uh, Schalke should be uh, a pretty decent uh, a pretty decent bet. Uh, I think I, I looked at the, the 538 predictions and, and they were, like, before the season, they had a bigger chance of getting relegated than making the Champions League and now they're... 26% of making the Champions League and fifth in that uh, Leverkusen is ahead of them at 56 but um, you know 538 tends to be sort of uh, status quo-ish or they tend to overvalue sort of past seasons so we'll see and I think the big advantage also for Schalke is that unlike those four teams they don't have to play in Europe so so they could kind of sneak up on, on teams so I'm going to move on to the other important game which um, was that's sort of a really strange one against Bayern against Paderborn, which doesn't seem like it would be all that important. But uh, um, if you look at just sort of expected goals, you didn't think it was a close game because it was like like three to like zero point two or something. And um, but and but part of it is like just how dominant Bayern really were. I mean, Coutinho, Gnabry. Uh, I think probably the best half Bayern played, uh, even. Maybe better than Le- although maybe Leipzig obviously Leipzig first half is higher quality opponent but uh, just sort of the way they were able to uh, get out and and progress the ball against Paderborn which which is a team that loves to press and you know um, again that sort of Thiago Kimmich double pivot was just was just amazing and and you know being able to drop back Gnabry into midfield and then you've got Coman and Coutinho I mean Coutinho just one 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 touch passes key passes just everything and really um, the game should have been three four nothing after uh, after about thirteen minutes or so because you know you had that Robert Lewandowski basically missing an empty netter. 
um, 61% chance uh, low, you know, Kovac and the rest think it's 100%. But then you had, I think, uh, Coutinho miss a pretty, pretty good one. And then Kingsley Coman miss a 30%er. So uh, those were in the first 12 or so minutes. And, and I mean, and then uh, that, that after that, they, they actually got the Grabri goal. But, but uh, I mean, it was uh, just a clinic uh, for, for, for that long. And Paderborn, uh, I think they were held uh, to like 0.10 xg for like 70 minutes and um and the second half was interesting because the, it seemed like Kovac you know Hernandez got hurt and Kovac also brought in Javi Martinez for Thiago which I thought of as a as a sort of a resting uh substitution and then uh, Alfonso Davis came in and like had all these crazy numbers like six completed dribbles and six tackles and I thought he played well, but they also, Paderborn seemed to just attack down that right side. And that could have been because of Kai Perger coming in. And it could have been because Paderborn are, are great because they just want to attack. I mean, uh, Stefan Baumgart is probably one of my favorite coaches because he just doesn't care about the scoreline. He just wants to wants to make sure that his team attacks. And that's actually sort of one of their problems, which I might write about in the future, is, is how they're not really playing like themselves as much because they are sometimes forced to or sometimes they, they just sit deeper which which doesn't work well for them because they, they're, they're they're in this weird conundrum where they're a team that needs to attack to to, to counter press and to press high to, to have success because they're just not going to have individual quality in the back to to be able to withhold teams but um you know obviously their their ball possession is, is going to be difficult with uh, philip clement leaving but uh in this game, I mean, they didn't really have any any possession, and and they could press, and 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 they looked good on the counters at, at time, and um, but but it's very hit or miss. I mean, uh, some space, the space behind Mohamed Drager uh, was an issue. Um, I thought, you know, it, it's 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 difficult for them, and and but a, but but a really fun team. Like I I, I hate the fact that they're. Uh, they're so far down in the table because uh, they're they're basically dead last. Because I, to me, like they've they've been more enjoyable than like a lot of the other teams in front of them, even Düsseldorf, Union, or or Köln, or definitely Augsburg. Or uh, so so, but uh, hopefully we will uh, turn it around. And for Bayern, I think uh, obviously they take to take the uh, top of the table for the first time, which which is a big a big plus for them and most goals in the league. And uh, it seems like. A lot of things are clicking, but at the same time, um, I think Kicker made this point that it's a lot of individual stuff at times, and I think that's sometimes unfair. Uh, I think this this season there's been a lot of, particularly in the last three four weeks, there's been a lot of good game plans by by Kovac, uh, just using Gnabry, the way he way he uses Coutinho, the way he's using Kimmich and double pivot. Uh, but yeah, like I agree with some of the criticism that you do end up like. You know, it's give or take. You end up uh, sacrificing Pavard as a good right center back for like not having the attacking output of Kimmich. And in this game, Kimmich did like a lot of ball progression, but obviously not as much sort of final third stuff um, as as he is able to do. So they do kind of suffer in, in that sense, uh, particularly like losing Hernandez as well. Um, so. That could have been it. I mean, could have just been like them, them just shutting up shop and and, and saying, okay, well, we're up against Paderborn and we're not going to lose to them. So, 
it's tough to say, but uh, there's the rest of the schedule looks super easy with Hoffenheim, Augsburg, Union Berlin. Uh, I mean, those should be three pretty easy wins, and they could actually build a little cushion and before they get to the Frankfurt and Dortmund and a little bit tougher and then Leverkusen and Gladbach. But uh, yeah, this this could be another another easy easy sort of uh, easier season, and, and they were very happy that uh, Leipzig lost and. Leipzig next two games are Leverkusen and Wolfsburg, so you might see uh, Bayern open up uh, more of a more of a gap. And um, I think I I did get a question uh, on on them, but uh, just to, just to make sure I will <laughs> I will answer that as as well. I, I think it was um, Marko Jovic uh, who asked me asked me if it's sort of their weakest one in a decade what's Dortmund missing and I will get to that uh, in the uh, Dortmund part because Dortmund obviously played another 2-2 draw which you know another another four points draw two points dropped uh, which again seemed a little bit unfair but it seemed like not unfair if you were watching the game because just the way Dortmund gave up cheap goals I mean right away to uh, Mirat Rashica who who came back and then uh you know, ended up uh, just just a very simple kind of throw-in where where Dortmund just get beaten too easily, uh, and then they give up the the set piece goal that they the same exact one that they gave up to Köln where it's a deal post flick and and, and no one is really you know Royce and Litzel are not there and then they just uh, leave the backspace open for for Marco Friedel who's not known for his goal scoring, so. Uh, yeah, it's 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 a weird thing with Dortmund. Um, what are they missing at the? At, is it guts, bravery, and staff? Well, uh, I, it's definitely not mentality, which which is not a discussion that that's making the rounds in in Germany. Um, it's hard to say. I mean, I think I think you know I, I wrote about them uh, for Stats Bomb and and, and and about two weeks ago or three weeks ago, and 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 I and it was saying what a lot of the people who watch Dortmund closely are saying is that this team is already not been great for a while and like for a while I mean um, basically since last December this is sort of the third or fourth best team by expected goals or by actually just like regular points I think they're still behind Leverkusen and and Leipzig in that sense and um, I was sort of positing that uh, question in the article whether it's just been sort of a 10-11 game hot streak because if you remember in the beginning of the last season, um, actually just about just exactly about a year ago, I you know it was in Leverkusen and, and Vatske was going off on uh, not talking to the Dortmund journalists because they're poor start and they're writing mean things. You know they had the draw, the goal is drawn Hanover. So um, it's it seems like that that wasn't the real Dortmund. That it's that that you know now we have about twenty five games with the cup and whatnot and Champions League, maybe thirty of, of, of Dortmund not being all not being not being bad, but like a, a a third or fourth place could have, you know, sixty point ish team as opposed to something that can compete for the title for seventy eight, you know, eighty points or so. And you know, it's hard to say what missing. I mean, I think, you know, Favre is definitely somebody who Got, is is definitely now getting criticized all the time. I mean that's that was basically this this week is is, is when even Kicker um, went went off of him and 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 I think they they wrote something um, to to the extent that um, it's it's sort of like 
there is this sort of arrogance and and an uncertainty and he's the uncertainty and the arrogance is sort of the uh the 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 Zork, who rice and others who, who all said dortmund is ready for the title um and this is something that it's sort of a more communicative more sort of demonstrative trainer coach could sort of figure out but um but that Favre doesn't have the mentality and and, and, and and he's just sort of like sits there and, and when when things get difficult and his eyes get big and he seems like he's uh he's sort of helpless and, and I think that's that it's it's not wrong but it's also a pretty harsh assessment of, of him because yeah to to his detriment like he hasn't been able to integrate Julian Brandt um, you know, he hasn't been able to sort of figure, you know, Nico Schultz didn't work out that well. I mean, Royce doesn't seem to be in a great form. Um, Götze finally got a chance to play. Um, Dahoud is finally playing. And then those, those moves actually worked out well. And, uh, you know, to what extent it's his fault if they're not, uh, working on set pieces. I think, I think that's a good question, but if, you know, you know, Fav, um, from, from his previous history, he's not a big set piece guy and, Yet they seem to be getting crushed there for for um, months now, and um, I don't know. I mean, I'm, you know, the, somebody it'd have to be somebody who checks their trainings and see how much they work on it. But um, it seems like he's the sort of stubborn type, and think just kept keeps saying like, okay, relax, and you know, play patiently, and and that's that's gonna wear that's already worn thin, and it's gonna be difficult for Dortmund because you know they're these these sort of matches like against frankfurt were not exactly like the super most difficult ones you know not to take anything away from frankfurt but you know like not being able to beat bremen and frankfurt who um probably are missing a combined 15 players between whoever um you know jovic and alair and Rebic who who left and then bremen with the injuries and yeah you 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 did beat them on expected goals and, and whatnot but uh it it never seemed like there's there's a lead that's comfortable for them, and that's that's gonna be tough because now the next next four next five games are brutal. Freiburg, basically Gladbach, Schalke, Wolfsburg, Bayern. I mean they play like five out of the top six, so it's gonna be a, a make or break uh, campaign for Dortmund. And and now like that Slavia game in the Champions League is not is no is no easy feat now. So. Um, this 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 could be a, a very uh, Peter Boschish uh, time again for for Borussia who who are sort of heading down that the dark path it, it it seemed like and uh, I'll have to see I mean there wasn't that much wrong I thought tactically I mean I thought Dahoud played an interesting game he was very good at progressing the ball he's he's been sort of the guy that people were shouting for um, after Delaney is too passive I mean Hakimi had difficulties in defense but. The guy had like 150 touches, so <laughs> there's not that much you can ask from him. I mean, you can criticize Fav for for like uh, you know Hazard, who's not been that great, or Sancho, who and didn't have another like Sancho again had a very not good of a game, but he still has crazy goals and assists. And I think the same thing with Royce, where like you know you look at their numbers and the numbers don't seem to match their performances. Um, Akanji has been in the funk, I think, all season, and he could be injured it's it's hard to say but yeah it's it's, it's a lot of a lot of difficulties for Favre and, and I think you know knowing his history there's a greater uh, chance of him throwing in a towel than than sticking around to uh, to figure out the ending so um that's sort of that's sort of the the Dortmund one um 
And I think uh, the next team we should we should talk about is Freiburg because um, that's a team that's uh, now up. You know, we've covered the first three, four uh, with Machalka, but uh, we had a good question here uh, from from the from another than Big Charnetsky, uh, Gladbach fan. So we'll get to Gladbach as well. But what's Christian Streich getting right at Freiburg um, other than sort of easy schedule? Um, well, I think I think there's it's a little more complicated than that, and I actually um, wrote two big pieces on on Freiburg um, for for Sport TV in, in Hungary. But um, you know, since I imagine most of you guys don't don't read Hungarian, I can I can sort of uh, I can sort of summarize what what I was uh, what I was saying in in, in those. But uh, it's it's sort of so like I think one of the things um, Shrike is getting right. Um, is that he's he's gone away from the four four two that he's mostly been using. I mean, he is. I think Toby Escher pointed this out, but he and Funko were the players, were the coaches who made the most uh, in-game formation changes. Um, but usually, Streich would have like a four in the back and then change to a three or a five. I think the big difference this season is that he's got two really strong wingbacks and Johnny Schmidt, who came back, you know, he was the 11-goal scorer for him um, a few years ago. And Christian Günther has, to me, perhaps been the best left-back in, in the Bundesliga this season, I think, overall. Um, so, it's, so so they're playing, and then they've got, you know, Heinz is the left centre-back and Nienhardt is the right centre-back. And they've got Robin Koch, who can sort of push up to the six uh, sometimes um, out of possession and also play in centre-back. And and one of the things they they often do is, is I mean, obviously, you know, they do a lot of really good stuff against the ball. And that, that's not that's not so surprising that, given that it's strike. But um, against the ball, what they do is they're, they've, they've switched up some of their coverages just because of who they use. So, so Nils Peterson, although he's the sort of the central striker, he doesn't necessarily cover the center backs. He usually drops back and covers the six of the opposition team. So you, you saw against Augsburg how uh, they were able to just uh, take away Rani Kadira, take him out of the game. You saw some of that against Düsseldorf, who you know don't really have you know because Stöger is hurt. They don't really have a good playmaking six there. So they, you know they, they so they played off of the center backs and and, and Andre Hoffman actually had a good passing game. It was like. At one point, he was like 55 or 56 uh, completion-wise. So it, it, it has its detriments if, if you have good passing center backs. But like I think Vic uh, correctly pointed out, is that the easy part of the schedule also corresponds to teams who don't have great center backs. Uh, and then you've got sort of Höhler, who is a super work-rate guy, and, and Haberer is the same way. Like Haberer can play so many positions. I think he, he played sort of a double-six uh in this one, but he often plays as an eight ten hybrid, and keeping uh, Luca Waldschmidt and Vincenzo Grifo out, and and you know, so you've got the depth there, which is which is I think Schreich even said that their depth is uh, too big at times. So uh, what he means by that is that you know he's got Grifo, Waldschmidt, Shalai, Kwon, and Jong as like six five or six attacking players who are basically just uh, subs, and you know, even Höhler who missed the penalty. It's been a really strong one, but uh, um, getting back to sort of I think the, the, the defensive side of the ball, which, which I think is the most interesting, because they play like uh, asymmetrical in, in the back. Günther is much higher um, as a left wing back, but he also drops back as sort of a left back, where Johnny Schmid kind of plays high and stays high, and that's because Leinhardt, who is 
very good on the ball as well, but he can also slide out to a, sort of a right regular right back. And they counter-press. I mean, that's the, the thing is that even Heinz, his left center back, I've seen him counter-pressing really high against Augsburg. Like, he was he was up at the 18-yard box. Um, and, you know, Koch is excellent, is there. So so they've, they've done an, an, uh, and what I looked at in terms of numbers, um, shots on target is down from, like, 5.1 to, like, 3.4 per game. Um, the XG and the goals against is, is pretty much uh, net zero. Even with Schwolo making a pretty big mistake for for the only Düsseldorf goal on uh, on Sunday, so um, so so that that's that's that's, that's kind of the thing with them is that um, they've improved a little bit of their build up. I mean, it's still uh, still sometimes long balls. Although in the Düsseldorf game, they they tried to play uh, a lot more sort of flat short passes um, using Hoefler sometimes. Um, and that that's what they use in the build up. But I think their their main sort of play is is what they try to do is a little bit like what Frankfurt does, is they pull the three center backs out wide, particularly Heinz and Lienhardt, and then they try to play these sort of diagonal balls into the half space to uh, either to Peterson, but more often it's to Christian Günther who who makes these runs behind. And I think that's how they scored on Hoffenheim. That's how they scored on Köln, uh, where they will sometimes play over the top. And, you know, there's, particularly on the left side, it seems to happen as well. But uh, Schmid is, is also great at combinations. They they make these uh, combinations with on, on, the, on the right wing with, with Haberer and uh, Franz when he plays. And Lienhardt is, is good at sort of shorter passes. So, and then, of, of course, if that sort of doesn't work out, they've always got crosses, they've always got counter-pressing. And then it's got Luka Waldschmidt, who can come in and just uh, drop a messy like go off the bench. So, yeah, long live uh, Christian Streich, and I, I hope it continues, because uh, Lerner knows uh, nobody deserves it more than than Streich. And um, it's, it's, they've, they've not outperformed their metrics all that much, because they've got about, like, almost 10 expected points to 13 and really I thought they kind of got robbed against Augsburg uh, last week but mostly they got lucky in the early games like uh, Mainz and and so on and this Düsseldorf game um, I thought could have gone either way but with them having missed the penalty it just it just seems like one of the games that went their way so yeah it's it's been a great season for for Freiburg and, and we'll see how they uh, get to keep this up because I think the the big game for them is Two of them are coming right up in, in Dortmund and Leipzig, and we'll probably be able to to tell um, if they're well. They're I mean they're for real. I'm not gonna say they're not, but just to see like if they're gonna be able to keep up the results and they do have the squad for it. <clears throat> and you know Dortmund Freiburg has has either been a, sort of a blowout or a really really tough game, and then they go to Union away, so that's that's not easy in <clears throat> Leipzig. So I think. We'll we'll know more um, after that, but uh, I, I I would I would think that they could compete for for those seven and eight spots if if things go right. But but uh, we'll probably know by uh, the end of October where where they fall. So one one sort of uh, other game that I that I want to touch on because I don't I don't think uh, this was something that uh, people were able to follow because it, it was another one of those three thirty uh, games, but. I thought actually was one of the best games of the weekend, which is Gladbach against uh, Hoffenheim in 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 Zinsheim. and um, 
you know, 3-0 scoreline doesn't really tell the whole story. Um, if you look at uh, expected goals, uh, it, it, you kind of get a, a better idea uh, of this one, but it's still it's probably not the entire story. It's 1.3 to like 2.84, uh, so that seems like a deserved Gladbach win. But if you, you're going to look at it for about 60 minutes, it was a dead even game. And um, 538 has a, has a, has a non shot based uh, model that that sort of um, <clears throat> has this at, um, I think, like 1.5 to 1.6. So um, I'm not. A big Hoffenheim fan on the shoulder. I think I've, I've been I've been very clear on that. But uh, actually, was impressed with a lot of the things that he did, and in particular, um, one of the things I want to talk about is just a starting lineup. You know, he's he's, he's turned uh, Robert Schko into as a guy who is a sort of a right winger, as an inverted right winger in in uh, Denmark, and scored a bunch of goals, although a lot of penalties. But uh, he's been playing as a as a left back or a left wing back in the last two games, uh, the Wolfsburg one I got a chance to do on TV uh, last uh, Monday, and he looked pretty good there. And even in this game, he, he looked very good, and particularly in the first phase of the game. And what they did there is uh, since Gladbach plays sort of a, a like a basically a four four two diamond, but Embolo, um pushes really up, so they were almost in like a four three three. And so that had basically three of their, uh, against the three Hoffenheim center backs, they were three on three, and then used Baumann to try to outplay them uh, in terms of the numerical superiority in the uh, the first pressing line. But what they also used, Dishko, who, who kind of started drifting inward into the left half space, and he was always open and was able to dribble dynamically, he was able to progress the ball and get past Stefan Leiner a couple times, and really I think got got a, got the better of them, and um, um, they they had very good chances with with Christoph Baumgartner, who was another really dynamic uh, player. And he had that super uh, first touch in the seventh minute where it was just a really balls really high in the air. It's it's hit at him and he just controls it like a freaking Brazilian player. <laughs> and I thought you know Hoffenheim were, were super unlucky. Uh, Akpoguma won seventy three percent of his duels after not really playing too much and looked looked very good early on. Um, you know the, the the chances Baumgartner had, Rudy had one where if he had a little more dynamism, and I think that's that's sort of where the criticism that I have against Schroeder is that he plays Rudy and Grilich, who to me are the same players. I understand he doesn't have Samaseku because he's injured and. And he's got the, the injuries up front, and he's complaining about the squad quality, which I think he has every right to, because he's saying, yeah, he's he's been he's been there since basically March, like they they agreed, and they've sold you know a lot of the players, Jolinton, Demirbay, Amiri, uh, and so on, Salai, and Grifo, and and they didn't really bring in as many, and and the ones that they brought in were difficult. I mean, he has to play <laughs> an inverted right winger as a left back because they've got three injuries there and Staphylidis wasn't, you know, wasn't good. But, you know, everybody knew in the Bundesliga knew that Staphylidis is not a very good left back. So, um, I mean, part of that is is, is on him as well. So, um, but actually, like, you know, as much as I've been down on, on, on Schroeder, this, this game, I thought he looked good. And Gladbach looked pretty good. I mean, Gladbach are still this weird team where... Um, Two weeks ago, everybody was killing them because they lost against Wolfsburg, and, and now they've they've gotten some results. And 
Um, I think in 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 all their games they've they were they they were okay in in some phases, and then they've still got some really big weaknesses like Oscar Brent uh, is a little bit like Marcel Schmelzer at this point, the left back where he's just uh, defensively not there. Um, it's pretty easy to to play the ball in behind him, and he's had some technical mistakes as well. So. But it's difficult because they've had a lot of injuries. I mean, even in this game, Laszlo Benesh, probably their best player, I would say. Um, not one of the forwards, but the outside of the forwards, probably their best player. He got hurt, and so they played Kramer and Zakaria in this sort of double pivot, um, all 4-4-2. And I don't know. Uh, it's, Zakaria is hard for me to figure out because I don't like him as a 6 as much. Because uh, he has a couple of good dribbles in him, but he's also like disappears a lot. And then Kramer in this game just wasn't able to dictate anything, and it was, seemed like the game was a little bit too fast for him. Um, but uh, the front four looked really good when and Stefan Leiner, um, really really exciting right back. He's uh, he's he drifts into the half space as well. I mean, working with Rosa Maric, um, he's, he knows him really well, and it, it's. Like he's been playing in the Bundesliga for ten years, um, and then you've obviously got the amazing uh, ability and agility of the the front three and 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 Vembolo, who just seems to run everybody over, like a running back and player who can obviously always pop up in front of the goal as as he did, and then Marcus Tiram, who's got that great great dribbling, great great uh, dynamism. And Neuhaus, who I've been saying for a while that he really is a 10 and, and finally is, is playing as a 10. Um, I'm not a huge fan of him as an 8, but but as a 10, he, he can he can make runs behind uh, and, and he can also uh, set up other people. So um, it was it was interesting. And, and I thought I thought the, the first half was, was really, really close. And Hoffenheim were super unlucky to, to basically play probably better than Gladbach for 40 minutes. And then and then uh, there was the basically a, a one sort of defensive switch off by I think Liner was able to kind of spin off and and, and win a 50-50 against Sko and then and then and then, uh, then the, they got the cross and, and that was it and then it's even the second half really I thought uh, Hoffenheim came out came out pretty well and had a couple of big chances uh Sko was was again good he stopped a couple of counterattacks and uh, Hoffenheim kept dominating. Um, Grilich's distribution was good. Had a lot of good ball progression down down the wing with the uh, push, uh, particularly in Kadarjabek, uh, could always just run past uh, Oscar Wendt. Uh, and obviously, you know, uh, not having a striker other than Bebu is is is, is an issue. Um, you know, Belfodil, uh, Zidor, um, You know, I think he was hurt in this one, but he's not. He's a guy who hasn't. He looks just completely lost in the system under Schroeder, um, which, yeah, if you know Belfodil, that's not that surprising. Um, and then they're really missing Kramaric. Um, bringing in Adamian was was okay. Um, I, I looked better to me in the Wolfsburg game than in in this one. And and it was, um, <clears throat> it was sort of tough for them to, to bring on. Like, uh, I, I, I didn't... Really like that they brought off Baumgartner, although he might have had a head injury. So it wasn't, you know, and then guys like Lucas Rupp don't really bring that much to to the table for me. And then, you know, um, once about the around the hour mark or so, that's when Gladbach started to get really bigger chances with with Embolo. Um, and 
you know, Zomer was was more involved in in, in the build up. I mean, he was uh, cutting through them. I mean, I think actually it was a really probably a, a really good match if you wanted to study how to how to play goalkeeper in the Bundesliga or how to play goalkeeper in 2019. Because uh, um, uh, both both keepers were really good with their feet and and not afraid to to take chances. And then you know it was a back and forth game because after Gladbach we're, we're getting a few chances with uh, with Embolo. Then Geiger had had some really nice moves and and um, could have could have scored but got blocked. I think he, he and Rudy both got blocked around the sixty second third minute and then Gladbach just ran down the counter. Um, and uh, Turam was was basically uh, I think another sort of mistake by Shko who um, to me looked really good but also seemed to make like two of the key mistakes that led to goals uh, though not you know indirectly but. Not directly. So, uh, and then after that, Hoffenheim tried to uh, change tactics. They they played a four-one-three-two. Lokadia came in, and Bebu was kind of a right winger, and and that just looked really really open. And uh, you know, Gladbach were just having a counter festival, and um, I think uh, they they ended up uh, running up their xG. I mean, you you basically look at the xG until then was like one point three, and they ended up at like three almost so you know Hoffenheim uh, did have to chase the game obviously with the uh, with this being a home game and and uh, going to Bayern next but uh, didn't do themselves uh, too many favors uh, with that um, so I don't know it's, it's it's still still tough to me because um, I thought this was probably their best game <laughs> and then then they just got looks like it's zero zero three. Um, losing by three goals, uh, it's it's not it's not great. But uh, actually, performance wise and idea wise and tactically and execution wise, I I, I didn't think it was that bad. And um, it, it I don't want to say it was like the the Gladbach Schalke game, but I thought that was the closest equivalent, which was zero zero and had like one and a half xG each. Like this was right there, except Gladbach ended up getting their chances and 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 the Hoffenheim really really couldn't so um they're in a lot of trouble with with Schroeder but um maybe could things could pick up and and the good thing for them is that um right now there's like nine teams to me or seven well at least seven teams if you if you discount Verde and Hertha but seven teams to me that are basically relegation contenders and um they're on top of those seven teams so uh I think they should be okay even even with uh, having to go to Bayern uh, next week um but not, you know, uh, I think overall uh, a little bit worse than I expected and, and I didn't have high expectations. And then, and then Gladbach are sneaking up uh, the table after that, uh, you know, 0-0 start and then losing to 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 Leipzig uh, It's and then the Wolfsburg. And just now they've won three in a row. And um, I would say, like, at least Dusseldorf and Hoffenheim... Um, looked really convincing by the end. I mean, the Dusseldorf game, they, they struggled in the beginning, but then they put up over 4xG, and then even in this one, the uh, second half, uh, just seemed to, they seemed to just wear teams out. And, um, you know, the, the the good news for them is that they're, they're still dealing with a lot of injuries, like, uh, you know, Strobel, Kramer, we still haven't seen anything of Stindl, who's out. I think Traore has barely played. Ben Shabaini has played one game. Benesh got hurt, so... Um, that this could be a that could be a team that uh, I think uh, could could get into maybe the Champions League spot. I think I think you know not to get 
too too far ahead but uh it, it, you know Leverkusen, Schalke, Gladbach um to me one of those teams are gonna Wolfsburg uh, which which I will get to uh are gonna be battling it out for for fourth place uh and you know who knows if Dortmund collapsed and then then maybe even something something better so it's not you know it's it's not always looked that great um but under uh Marco Rosa but I think I think it's getting there and it's it's hard to criticize them when when they have you know 13 points after after six games and uh you know have <clears throat> worth noting that they've conceded just five goals which is the second second fewest with with Freiburg and uh Wolfsburg being the first with four so uh, interesting times ahead for uh, Marco Rosa and Gladbach and what I will do, I think, is uh, since we're getting about the 45-minute mark, is I will take this into a part two um, and talk about uh, some of the other teams who uh, who were um, in action, uh, particularly uh, Leverkusen in, in Augsburg and then Mainz against Wolfsburg. And then I'll, I'll get into uh, <clears throat> Köln and Hertha and then Union and Frankfurt, which is the, the games that are remaining. So hopefully you uh, enjoyed this format and I will uh, see if I can do a little bit more of it. But uh, thank you very much uh, and uh, please keep continuing to subscribe to the Bundesliga button.